0: Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and this is your Strata Property. Michael Darby has over 16 years experience in the management of owners' corporations within large-scale residential communities. Prior to establishing Quantum United Management, where he's currently the Managing Director, Michael was the Residential Communities Manager for PGA Links Management and Resort Manager at Sanctuary Lakes Resort. Michael has a comprehensive understanding of the skills and knowledge required to set up and operate complex owners corporations within large communities. Michael is an active member of the SCA, the CAI, the community associations industry, which is the peak international membership organization dedicated to building better communities, as well as the urban development industry of Australia. And I also have, as a special bonus today, five random facts about Michael. Number one, Michael enjoys running and keeping fit. Number two, he has achieved a single-figure golf handicap of, wait for it, three. Now, I know nothing about golf, but I think that's pretty impressive. Number three, he's a certified ski instructor. Number four, he met his Dutch wife while in the Austrian Alps. And number five, he has had an albatross. Um, for dinner I don't know an albatross and three holes in one another golf term got it today I am absolutely delighted to welcome Michael Darby of Quantum United Management welcome Michael
1: thank you Amanda for having me
0: we are very lucky to have a man with such a wide range of skills on our show Michael thank you very much for making the time and coming to us from Victoria we don't have too many Victorian guests on the show
1: beautiful and sunshine down here of course as always
0: Excellent to hear from you. And today we're talking about strategic planning. And that might be a term that you don't necessarily associate with strata communities, strategic plans, but both you and I, Michael, think it's pretty important when it comes to making sure we're getting the most out of our homes, our investments, and the most for our clients that we're working for. So I'm going to ask you first up, why do you think it's critical for strata communities to have a strategic plan in place?
1: Yes, look, firstly, critical is probably a big word. Um, it's not critical per se. We'd like it to be probably legislated, but um, we, think it, we strongly recommend it. It's people's home, and for them to put a three- to five-year plan together really helps add value uh, to their asset. It l- allows deep engagement with, with all of the owners, not just the committee, about what their goals are, what their priorities are for their community. It gives them... An opportunity to interact with each other, see what each other's passions are, what their, what their visions are. There might be a lot of common ground that can motivate each other, and that, that building that community spirit through that process on its own really attracts and increases the value of our community. Mm. In addition to that, a big thing is it provides a framework for an elected committee. You know, the individual owners are going to have their specific views, but to you know, in, in our view, to truly have a fiduciary duty to fulfil that, they need to be able to realise that they've reached out to the whole community and got feedback from the whole community about, you know, that yes, they're making the decisions for them, but have they gone through a deep process of finding out what the community wants and what their goals are? And the strategic planning process um, allows them to do that and it provides a framework for those committee members. Mm. Often rotating each year, they float in and out and, you know, as we... Perhaps no. each of them have their own ideas that they like to contribute and you know the community can bounce around year to year based on what those individual needs are where this whole framework of having a strategic plan that probably sits over the committee provides a framework and a guidance for them to operate and manage their owners corporation. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was only a a few episodes ago I spoke with Karen Stiles from the Owners Corporation Network in New South Wales and she was saying something very similar about the planning process, about having uh, what she called a set of goals and a mission statement and I think you've used the same word there, Michael, goals and priorities and how valuable that is in guiding, as you say, the committee in particular with its decision-making for the next year, the next five years, years, the next maybe even 10 years. And I think thinking in terms of a vision or goals or a mission might not necessarily be something that committees are used to when they're talking about strategic planning, which might actually sound kind of dry and boring as opposed to the more fuzzy words like goal and vision and mission.
1: Indeed. Look, they're, they're not a company but we, we think they should operate like a company at the end mm, of the day yeah and the committee is a board you know in that regard and you know part of the strategic plan is theres succession planning framework that the committee can set up mm. and that'll It just sets up the right structure and framework for the community moving forward.
0: I love that idea of succession planning because we do have committee members who might only be in place for a year. If you're lucky, you've got them longer term than that. And having a document like a strategic plan that sets out what it is this committee wants to achieve over a longer period is then going to help those newcomers when they enter the hot seat to um, continue on with those big, longer-term projects. Um, thinking of it like a succession plan, I think, is an excellent idea.
1: Yeah, and things like, you know, the chairman will step down to an acting chairperson, you know, the year after, so and a few members will remain. So there's, there's history there and it, it's never lost if a whole committee is turned over, for example.
0: So. Mm. Now... In New South Wales, and you tell me if this is similar in Victoria, we do have the requirement when it comes to uh, funding, so purely speaking in terms of money, to plan for capital works and we have to have a capital works fund forecast which covers the next 10 years now it sounds like with a strategic plan you're talking about something a bit broader what is it exactly that a strategic plan has in it and is it similar to a capital works fund plan that we would have here in new south wales or do you have something in victoria that's um that's identical or similar i should say to that which may not be in your strategic plan
1: look victoria has something that's identical it's referred to as a maintenance fund and it's exactly the same thing. It's a 15-year term to ensure the, the maintenance of, of capital projects, to put funds aside for the for capital items. And look, it's purely like asset-based, the maintenance fund, where a strategic plan is, you know, it might, it'll might it form a part of it, no mm-hmm. doubt, but it's more vision and, and administrative side. There's community focus. There's lots of different areas a strategic plan can go into where the maintenance plan in Victoria and similarly in New South Wales, no doubt, it's, it's legislated. You know, fairly tight about what needs to go in there, what it's about, so it's really controlled, where strategic plan, you know, is quite different to that. Sample, I guess, of of what a strategic plan would include. One of our communities has gone down a process to do that. And they had five themes that they came up with. Their estate is a master plan community of 880 lots. Mm-hmm. Got twenty-seven owners, corporations, and a private residence club within mm-hmm. it. So they're surrounded by um, university and they engage with council a lot in relation to their community. All the streets are normal council roadways. So they have an influence as far as the streetscape presents. So their themes are places and spaces, natural environment, community, heritage and governance. And each of those themes has specific goals and priorities. And to tease out probably just a couple places and spaces, for example, long-term improvement of community assets, building design excellence. So they all have design guidelines within these communities, improved traffic management, sustainable energy and water practices and bulk purchasing opportunities. So they haven't restricted themselves specifically to the legislation. Mm. You know, they're, they're bringing in information that influences them outside of that, which I think is you know, a good thing to do. And the governance theme Talks about developing best practice for OC governance, promoting and planning for the future, and strong community engagement. Mm-hmm. So that's an example, I guess, of of what might be included in a strategic plan. But look, each community—they're going to be similar if the community is structured the same way. But each one has that flexibility, of course, to depending on what comes out of their, their workshops about what might be included in that.
0: Yeah. And uh, no doubt some of our listeners are madly trying to take down notes about what this framework is, if you like, and what these suggestions for themes are. I just want to remind our listeners that you can get the transcript to this episode if you head over to yourstrataproperty.com.au forward slash 123, this being episode 123. Now, it sounds like, Michael, um, this would have been a massive task for this huge community. Is it something that you as managers were very closely involved in? Did you instigate it? Did you handhold? Did you engage professionals? How did this work? Walk us through the process of putting together a plan like this.
1: Look, it's a good question. For them specifically, they realised in hindsight that it wasn't ideal process that they went through. For them, the committee had a primary role of pulling that together mm. and essentially coming up with most of it in the end mm-hmm. and put forward to get table out an AGM when you get minimal owners present. Mm. So they've it's been going for a couple of years. They've reported back to the HAGM AGM around the strategic plan framework. But having a relook at it now, they're going to rerun the process again there wasn't that deep engagement with the whole community. Mm. You know, there's, you haven't got everyone on board. Unless yep. you've got them on board, it's, it's going to be you're gonna have trouble to succeed. So we're going to s- assist them in that regard and take them through that deep engagement and you're going to get a better outcome. You're going to get more owners uh, on board with mm. what you're trying to achieve. And I guess, look, I'll step through how we are going to uh, look at working through it with them. Great. So, like I said, it starts off with the deep engagement. It might be an online survey mm. through questions and there's strategic questions to tease out the right information. So, you're getting a lot of feedback through that process. It's easy to do. Owners can do it quite simply. It's not, you know, limited to 10 to 20 questions to not make it too laborious, but... We would then uh, run two workshop sessions that we would lead and we bring in a consultant as well just to really make sure it's efficient and we get the good information out of it and that's open to everyone, of course, and at the end of the day, some people like to live in that community and not get deeply involved and that's fine and we try and promote it as much as we can, you know, get, get involved with your community. There's mm. a lot of value in doing that. It's going to go on without you and go in directions that you might or might not want it to go in. So. Mm. It's, we, you try and engage and get as many people on board as we can, you're going to get a better outcome. So we run those two workshops. We then, the committee will have a strategic planning working group mm-hmm. and we'll work through the information that comes out of that, collate it together, collate the feedback, filter through that information. There'll then be an action planning workshop and they look to really uh, refine the goals and the priorities that are coming out of that and set the agenda for the process uh, moving forward. Once that plan is refined, it's then presented at the AGM for all the owners' you know, online performance so they can read through what the outcome is um, of all that process and look to adopt it at that point. Hmm. And then on, moving forward, there's a working group to focus on the, the priority actions coming out of that plan periodically. And, of course, there's an annual view process with the owners
0: and with the committee. So, mm. What really stands out to me there, Michael, is the use of technology and in particular starting with that online survey. I think that is such a valuable step to be able to achieve that level of engagement and make sure that each owner feels like they've had the opportunity to have a say and it is so easy to do these days with the tools that we have available when it comes to um, sending out emails and uh, putting together those surveys which as you say can be really quick and easy. I think sometimes in business and also in our own communities we forget to ask, to ask people what it is they want, what it is they're missing and it's very easy to do that these days with the help of these tools that we have. So I think that's awesome that you're kicking off that process with an online survey and then right to the end coming back to a review really important, and again, something that people often forget to do, to ask for feedback, to test, to assess, to look at where we could have done things differently and how we might do them better in the future, and just to keep the life in that plan and keep it as a as a living document, a vibrant document that can change as the community's needs change.
1: Look, it's a balancing act for the committee. Yes, they're appointed to represent all the owners up until the next AGM, but that doesn't mean you, you don't reach out to them and you're still acting on their behalf and they're, they're still involved and you still need to get them, be involved in the decision-making process, especially a strategic plan, absolutely.
0: Mm. Now it sounds like um, you guys at Quantum are doing a fair bit of work around this. Have you got any sort of a, a template or a list there of that process that we might be able to share with our listeners?
1: I'd be happy to put something together.
0: (laughs) Put you on the spot. That would be great. And we can put together uh, even just a a dot point um, list of that process in our show notes for this episode. So our listeners can head over there to yourstrataproperty.com.au and access that one. Now, I imagine uh, you've probably approached or you're going to be approaching some buildings with this suggestion, Michael, that they engage in this strategic planning process. Do you get some objection to that? Do you get buildings who say, look, this is not for us, or we don't think we need to do this. What kind of problems do you face trying to get this across the line, and how do you overcome those problems?
1: Look, there's there's a few, and I think one of the key ones is trying to explain to them the value that they'll get out of it. A lot of them don't see the value in doing it. You know, it's just an owners corporation. We comply with the act, you know, and that's it. So it's a process of explaining to them uh, and making sure just have that awareness that it impacts your whole community. The future of your whole community—it's you know, people's you know, main asset or, or investment they'll purchase into, and it's important to have a process and engage with owners to see the value that a strategic plan will have. And another one is that at uh, time, it's simply that the elected committee members—you know—sometimes you drag them across the line to join the committee, knowing that they contribute. You know, they've got their five meetings a year. Everyone's more busy now. It seems everyone's got family and work commitments. They're doing their volunteer committee meetings, you know. And we we walk in and say, Look, you know, guys, we're really passionate about the strategic planning process. You know, yes, it might be a little bit more work. <laughs> and there's another working group, but there's a lot of value in that. And it's like, you know, we've mm. got that job for it. Mm. you know, we find that with legislation always changing, their time's consumed just complying with legislation mm. and the, and the challenges that, that that come up just to meet that to to add something else into the mix, their first thought might be, you know, it's not time and it it falls away. But we keep pushing because we we know we see the value in it Mm. and most of the time they do as well once you work through explaining that to them. And a lot of it, the other challenge is there's just not the knowledge and experience to be able to run the process. Yep. Too hard, not sure how we'll do that. We support them to a degree or we have additional service to really run the whole process for them. So, you know, that's the value that we can provide Uh, We've got that knowledge and experience of how they can be put together, the process that can be run, there's value in it and give us an opportunity. It's going to benefit your community greatly.
0: Mm. And I suppose over time, you'll have some fantastic case studies that you can share with your communities about how you've worked together with another community in the past and the results they've been able to achieve in terms of an increase in the value of their investment, as you say, greater community engagement. People living in the building who just get to know each other better and have more enjoyable day-to-day interactions, uh, being able to uh, forecast for future need and not having to raise special levies or get loans in place because you've been able to plan for those big expenses. You can see the range of benefits that can be put on the table. And I think once you, you build up those case studies and share them, it won't take, won't take too much to bring those stubborn, busy committee members around.
1: That's right. Look, overall, you, like I said earlier, you're building a strong sense of community by doing this and that's what we're about. And there's there's evidence to the extent that when you build that strong sense of community, especially in a mature development, that attracts owners to, to live in that They hear, but oh, I well, hear they have great events at that community. I think everyone's really engaged. The families are having a great time. There's events for kids. It attracts people to buy into there, and obviously that results in an increase in the value of their investment. Mm. You don't need any more further argument than that, I don't think.
0: That's it. Money talks. Indeed. Now, Michael, time for the book question. What books have had the greatest impact on you and why?
1: Look, there's a couple. One more recently, it's called The Four Agreements, which I think we spoke about.
0: Yes, yes.
1: That's by Don Miguel Ruse. It's a, a book that I recently come across that so I listened. to. It's an audio book that I listen to. It's in hard copy at most bookstores. It only goes for like two and a half hours, so it's a good, it's an easy one to absorb. It's essentially a practical guide to personal freedom, so it's a personal development book, and I'm I'm into those. Mm, me too. Um, it's uh, based on Toltec wisdom about the philosophy and ancient wisdom of the teachers of a, a tribe from central Mexico is where it originates from. The first 15 minutes are pretty heavy. It's about, you know, we're all from light. Everything around us is not the truth. We need to search for our own way. So you have to get heavy bit.
0: We're back in university.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So hopefully they don't turn off and hang in there because it gets really, there's a lot of value that comes through, you know, after that point. That might be for some people also. That's fine. (laughs) It talks about how we're raised or they refer to it as how we're domesticated and Mm. we're imposed with agreements on how to behave, how to act, what religions we'll have when we're growing up. And how the, those agreements affect us as we, as we grow up. And it's suggesting that we should replace some of those limiting agreements with, with other ones that are more productive for being a you know, positive engaging person. And it suggests four agreements for us to focus on. And the first one is to be impeccable with your word. And that's, that's about speaking with integrity. It's about saying what you mean. Mm. Don't go about others. And don't use your word against yourself or others. That's a good one, I think. And the second one is don't take things personally. You know, nothing others do is because of you at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Yep. What other people say, you know, that's their own reality and that's their own views. You know, you can, if you learn not to take those things personally, it doesn't affect you and you don't make yourself the victim of the words that they're using against you, uh, essentially. And look, we've tied this in with our office and we've gone through it with the team and we've got some posters up on the wall about what those four agreements are. Mm. We're going to listen to sort of sections of that. And the next one in particular is a, is a big one for our team is to, to not make assumptions about what people are saying. You know, ask more questions if, if you don't know uh, specifically what they're asking you to. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstandings. A good, clear communication with that client is you know is, is not making assumptions. And, and that's a big one. They might read an email or get off a phone call and make, assume what they might be talking about, and they'll just act on that when it's not actually what that person meant at all. So, if you're in that moment, um, on the phone or via email, go back and ask more questions so you're really clear on what they want. Mm. So, that's one that I talk about uh, with with the team, we have team meetings, and the last one is uh, always do your best. And he says, you know, that's the action of the last three essentially. That's all you can do. You can only give it 100%. If you're sick. You know, that might be less than it is than when you're healthy, but you can only give 100% uh, at that moment. And based on doing that, it uh, avoids um, self-judgment and self-abuse because you, you're all you can do is your best, and that's putting your best foot forward, and you know, and that's enough at the end of the day. So that was that was a really good book for me. I listened to a couple of times that I, I took a lot away from. perhaps yeah. not for everyone, but I um, I found it. Fantastic. I've suggested it to to a few other people. Yeah.
0: I think you suggested it to me uh, some many months ago now when we were at the Australian College of Community Association Lawyers annual dinner. And I confess that I hadn't yet looked it up. So I'm going to make sure we've got a link to that one in the show notes. And it, they sound like perfect principles for strata managers or professional service providers generally and I think that's a great idea that you've been sharing that around your office and have adopted those uh, for your staff.
1: Look, it can have a big impact personally uh, at home and at work as well, I think. Mm. Absolutely. Look, the other book I read probably in early tw- my early 20s when I wasn't sure exactly which direction I was going in and travelling in the world, jet-setting to various ski resorts, Um <laughs> A success through a positive mental attitude, by Napoleon Hill and W. Clement Stone. That was first published back in the 1960s, I mm. think. And look, essentially, that's about um, succeeding through a positive mental attitude. That's and there's lots of philosophies and steps it goes through to to work through that, um, based around you know, what the mind can conceive and believe. The mind can achieve essentially. So, look, again, it goes into that deep personal side, but it's really you know, you pick up, you know, nuggets of gold from that that, that relate to you and it, and it stimulates you to change how you are as a person or go in a different direction to, to follow your heart and mm. impact you from a business aspect as well. So I found that, you know, at that point in time when I read it, really informative and gets you out of some self-pity or negative attitude and gets you more positive.
0: Yeah, and gives you an understanding of the power that you have uh, through your own mindset to achieve great things, which is really exciting.
1: Absolutely, does, yeah.
0: Now, before we wrap up, Michael, how do our listeners find out more about you and is there anything you'd like to add?
1: Oh, look, I don't think so. I think with strategic planning, we've, we've covered a fair bit. I'm happy to share the process that we follow and really strongly suggest to all the, to the owners and communities that are listening to do some research and, and have a go and reach out to us if you need some assistance around that. Our website's quantumunited.com.au that people can find out more information about ourselves or I can be reached through LinkedIn. My profile's up there on LinkedIn also.
0: And we'll make sure that we've got links to your website and to your LinkedIn profile there in our show notes. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat today, Michael.
1: No problem, Amanda. Thanks for having me.
0: And I'll catch you next time.
1: No problem. Thank you. Bye.